Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast, crossover edition today. It is Cody Stovall of Locked On Pokes, covering all things Oklahoma State. We'll discuss a weird year for Oklahoma State. What went wrong? What's happening there right now with all the guys in the portal? How are they going to change that? All of those things are coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12. Your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast, Cody Stovall of Locked On Pokes. Make sure you guys subscribe to both Locked On Pokes and to Locked On Big 12. Find us both wherever you get your podcasts. You guys can find Cody on Twitter at All Day O State. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. So, Cody, nice to talk to you for the first time on the show setting. You are our new-ish Oklahoma State uh, host, Locked On Pokes. Yes, sir. Um, well, actually, uh, we changed it to Locked On Oklahoma State. There it is. So we're, we're, we're hopefully no cease and desist. I know other yeah, people have gotten Yeah, because what you're, about to, what you're about to get into is exactly why. That poke choke thing, it's real. And I right. can't stand it. <laughs> right. It is. It was a, it was a difficult year. Um I'll give you so I'll give you my kind of take on, on what what happened. I think a few things happened. I think number one, they were injured. They were very injured. I think the injuries laid bare though some issues that were some expected, some unexpected. Number one, lack of depth. Right? They they had a significant lack of depth this year that was very apparent at many positions for them. Uh, number two, they they did not. I know it's hard to do in modern college football. They didn't have the backup quarterback thing figured out. I mean, their offense. It was two separate offenses. There was the offense with Spencer Sanders. Really, there was the team with Spencer Sanders. Then there was the team without Spencer Sanders. And then number three, even at full strength and healthy, they could not run the football at all this year. It was a huge challenge for them to get anybody going in the running game. And usually when that's the case, it's not a matter of personnel in the backfield. It's a matter of what's happening in the offensive line. So I'd say injuries, depth which is kind of really connected and then also the ability to run the football, your thoughts on kind of those three things together. If you agree, if you disagree. Uh, with the injuries part, absolutely. All right. It was the Kansas game. We had nine freshmen starting right. on the field. Like, and then we had, we actually had 12 freshmen when you count the special teams and you know, that's, we're not in the excuse making business. Right. But Gundy mm -hmm. even said that that's something he's never had to, uh, to had to coach over. Right. And, in 18 years of being a head coach and 28 years, 29 years, whatever, being in the industry in and of itself, he has never seen this amount of injuries. Yes, it's an exorbitant amount. But so the depth thing, I, I disagree a little bit there, right? So I think when you just look at talent on talent, this is easily by 10 miles the most talent we've ever, ever had in Stillwater. But so the problem with depth is, you know, and people don't always take this consideration. It's scout team, right? Whenever you have to bring these freshmen up, no matter how good they are, if you have to bring them up in the, the, the too deep, well, then who do you have for scout team? And then it makes your preparation lackluster. That's why you'll, you saw the, the complete debacle of Kansas State and Kansas because Gundy tried to mani manipulate practice, right, to go more thud, more shell, less full contact. And they just, it, it was a numbers game that couldn't quite catch up. And again, the freshmen that did play, you could see flashes of a lot of talent on the field. But then you also saw flashes of six freshmen on the field at the same time and them not being able to communicate and so on and so forth. 
And then as far as, you know, the, the, the running game, gosh, man, I, I don't know. Well, I, I do know. So we've been running this zone blocking scheme for a few years, right? And then when you have somebody like a Chuba Hubbard or a Justice Hill or a Jalen Warren, these are people that fit that mold. No problem. But Dominic Richardson, for one, does not fit in his own blocking scheme, right? He is a downhill guy. He wants to smash your face in for three yards. He doesn't know how to look for green grass, right? And he's had a few years to figure it out. And then and then you take that in consideration with the fact that, you know, our, the other two running backs we had were big old huge power backs. So you're trying to run a zone blocking scheme for guys that it's just not really suited for with a myriad of, of rotational offensive linemen. It just, it didn't make a lot of sense. It, again, square peg in a, in a round hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say on the depth thing, I think it's more of guys ready to play, right? Not like a talent depth issue, but like a guys who are prepared to play depth issue. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, at quarterback, like we've seen a lot of, uh, we've seen a lot of different teams in this conference be able to go to a backup quarterback and have it work. Right. I actually think this year was an, you know, an example. And I'm not just talking about TCU. I think a good example of this was Texas tech, right? I mean, their offense, it went in fits and starts, but I mean, they had three guys at quarterback who were all very, very effective. Now, is it easy to get a Baird Morton, a Tyler Shuck and a Donovan Smith all in the same roster? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not easy to do. Right. But they were, unprepared at quarterback and um you know the Iowa State game being the example here it two you know there's two different teams playing football right yeah, yeah. I mean there was the one that Spencer Sanders came in and saved and I, I think even the defense on that stand there at the very end responded mm -hmm. very well to Spencer being in the game there was almost more of a sense of belief right. than there was before oh, yeah. and then there was the group that was there for three quarters of the game and really just not much you know resistance it felt like uh pushing back against Iowa state. And, uh, you know, why do you think they were so ill prepared behind and, and not just them? Cause Oklahoma, like we saw the same problem with Oklahoma, right? OU was the same exact way. I mean, my God, that Texas game without Dylan Gabriel was a complete disaster and offensively schematically complete joke for what they were trying to do with Braden yeah. Willis, a quarterback. So what do you think contributed to them kind of being ill prepared at the quarterback spot? And what do you think the future is for them at that position, do you think it's in the portal? Because obviously we're hearing Spencer Sanders going that direction. We'll see if he right. stays or goes, whatever. Well, you know, I, I think we put a lot of eggs in the Shane Illingworth basket, right? Because Shane Illingworth has had proven multiple times that he could go in and win multiple games, right? When Spencer was a little bit banged up. So I think from a developmental aspect, we put all our eggs in that basket. And he was supposed to be the heir apparent to Spencer Sanders. And then obviously, you know, he went off to Nevada and then we got put in a situation where we had a, a Gunner Gundy that, you know, you, you have to kind of change some of the offense for because he is a little bit more of a game manager. That's just a fact. Uh, he's better than people think. Mm -hmm. he, he gets a bad rap because the he looked like he was peeing his pants in the, in the K-State game. Right. But Right. The handshaking. He, yeah. Yeah. He, but he was people forget he was a very sought after kid. TCU had him ranked as their number two target. but. Every everybody obviously backed off when they figured out he wanted to go play for his dad really bad, right? And then you know Garrett Rangel, who was very sought after. Yeah, uh, he was he was in the final, not the final, but one of the the semifinal events with uh, Kate Kate Klubinek at, at Clemson, right? 
And he's a four star, right? Grand Gal was a four star. Yeah, he was a very high four star. Like yeah. we had to fend off a, a lot of your your Texases and your Auburns and your Mississippi states and stuff for him. But he's not ready physically, right? right? Which is okay. Like, Which like this this happens to eighteen and nineteen year olds, right? Yeah. It's just, and I think the depth thing too was a big. You know, it's like. I love Kansas in that game where they played KU. I, that, that was one of my favorite bets of the year. Cause it's just like, how the hell is a kid supposed to do well, man? It's just, it's, it's a really difficult spot to be in to put a kid in there like that. And you know, the kid, I know it's once again, tough to build depth, but right. they put all of their eggs in the Spencer basket. And yeah. I also think they, they kind of, they kind of pushed Spencer away. Like when he was injured, they made him throw, which game was it through 57 times. Was that OU? I think at yeah, the end of the year. he's in, like, I, right. Correct. He, he's not going to come back after that. Why would he come back after you're treating him like that? I, I know he's a gamer. I know he wants right. to play, but coaches, almost like, you know, the cornermen for fighters have to help protect their players, especially guys like Spencer. Yeah. You know, Spencer's going to go for it all the way. And I don't think they protected him very well. And I think this offseason he reflected on that and thought it was time for a change. Yeah. <sighs> It, to me, it was, yeah, Spencer Sanders has been mismanaged this whole time, right? Let's just call a spade a spade. And I, maybe this isn't a popular take with those state fans, but it's the, it's the daggone truth. You saw the season change, right, during the TCU game. And to me, it was, you know, it, Gundy is famous for crawling in his little ball, right, and getting super conservative. I think at some point in time, the players got fed up, right, who wants to play for a coach that's playing not to lose? Kids want to play for a coach who will fight to the end, to the death, for a W. And once that starts to happen, there is going to be a little bit of it being infectious in the locker room. And then you have a little bit of dissension, right? Obviously not a lot, but we knew Spencer was probably gone. Right. Because if you put him in an offense where he has more say – or you put him in an offense that's a little bit more aggressive, like we used to be, then you know, I've said it before, you'll take 15 picks if it comes with 62 touchdowns. Right. And that's what Spencer is. He's a volume dude, which is why, you know, we, we threw a little bit too much, but it made us so one-dimensional, right? And you're right. When Spencer wasn't in the game, unlike the rest of the Big 12, us and OU – really only had the backup struggles. Now, granted, our backup struggles are nothing like OU's, thank goodness. Yeah. But what team in the league didn't play their second stringer uh, uh, multiple games? Maybe Iowa State. Hunter Decker's played the whole year, I think, right? Yeah, he did, yeah. But, yeah, TCU backup quarterback. Kansas State backup quarterback. Oklahoma State backup quarterback. Right? Texas Tech backup quarterback. Baylor. No, they got to, so Baylor. Yeah, they, had to, they had to go to Kyron Drones at one point, but okay. I think by the end of the year, there were people who were clamoring for the backup. So uh, it's, oh, really? it's not like it was out, it was out of the realm of possibility if they went that direction, right? I mean, and and Texas had to play Hudson Card Summit. And look, like, I yeah, mean, yeah. people think a lot of Hudson Card, right? So, Correct. you know, that, that's, a, that's a decent situation there. But I mean, they, the, I think the problem was, you know, they were conservative at times, yes, sure. But, it was weird. It's like this mix of being conservative, but also cutting Spencer way too loose. Right. I mean, throwing the ball 60 times when you're injured is just, it's like, I mean, he threw what four picks in that game. Yep. Like, what do we think was going to happen? I know they can't run the football. might be your only chance right. to win the game, but we can do a little bit better than that. I feel like in that, in that, in that circumstance. Well, you'd have thought we'd have had time to get a little bit more creative. Right. So do you remember back when we had uh, Kai Staley and Bryant Ward and uh, Jeremy Smith, and we ran that, that, kind of diamond formation in the backfield. Yeah. 
the whole purpose of that was misdirection, so to confuse the defense and to cover up some of the inefficiencies on the O-line. Oklahoma State hasn't had a big boy O-line in 11 years, right? It's, right? It just It is what it is. But we used to. We used to find ways to kind of coach around our deficiencies. This season, it's like we decided to – just roll with whatever we could throw out there. It was just right. it was like very, pace, very... Was, pace was the answer, right? I mean, I think a lot of times it's like your offensive line's bad. You got to go with some pace to try. Well, to yeah, equal well, I, I don't know. Though, if work. you're doing that, right, your route concepts got to be pretty, pretty dynamic. Look at t- 2011. Brandon Whedon's number one job was to get the ball out in under 2.4 seconds, right? So we were running a lot of pivot routes, out routes, slants, digs, stops. This season, our route concepts were very, very predictable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we did everything cookie cutter by the book when it came to our route concepts. So the defense knew what we were going to do before we did it 70% of the time. So we need some creativity, you know. And with Gundy, it is frustrating. His, that, to me, his only, only major flaw is that conservative nature that he just he has right you have you have coaches like Sonny Dykes and Chris Kleiman who want to step on your throat and cut off all of your breathing in the third quarter so the fourth quarter is miserable for you right when we were playing Kansas State they're up 28 nothing with 37 seconds left at halftime what does Gundy do take a knee right what does Chris Kleiman do go score a daggone touchdown that's all we're missing and you saw some development from Gundy, right? A, a maturation process or or a new process of evolution in 2020. But yeah, especially last year, right? Yeah. I thought that was so. Th- this is where it gets interesting with him. This is where it gets really interesting with him, right? So we saw this year the kind of the regression back, and a lot of it's because they can't run the football, or whatever. We just talked about that. But in 2021. And, you know, I think a lot of us were thinking, man, I wish Spencer could do more. But that team was at their best when he was managing the game, making the few throws he had to. And that team was running the football and playing defense. Yep. And, you know, that is that is, you know, is that the key every year? No, it's it's adjusting to what your talent is. Right. Um, It's it's interesting because, you know, I, I liken Oklahoma State to a school like let's just say like Wisconsin. Right. Traditionally very good, consistent winner in a place where there's not a lot of, I mean, I know Oklahoma, there's a good, decent amount of talent, but like, right. you know, it's not like it's the, it's not Texas, right? It's around Texas. It is not Texas, but they have this system that's worked over and over and over again. You win eight, nine, 10 games. You're always in that range and you do kind of a lot of the same stuff. Well, I think with the way things are, are now in the way in the conference they're in, the big 12 is a bit more adaptive than it used to be. Right. Oh, yeah. Last year's last year was all about running the football and playing defense. Look at the two teams that were in the Big 12 championship game. Baylor, Oklahoma State. What do they do best? Ran the football, played good defense last year. Mm-hmm. This year was a bit more of a combination of both, but I think it was about the quarterback play, right? This year, Will Howard in, oh, yes, in yes. Kansas State, obviously, elevating that offense. It was a bit turned back, back more to the offense. And then Max Duggan, obviously, being spectacular. Like The quarterbacks really did kind of uh, you know, reflect how the seasons ended up going, I think, for a lot of these top teams. And so, I, you know, I'm wondering what the next evolution is, but to your point, a lot of this stuff, and it's not just with the on, it's not just in play calling. It's not just in schemes. It's not just in coaching personnel. It's not just player. It's all this stuff. Right. Can he be a bit more adaptive like he was last season? 
And so that's why I feel like, you know, there, there are people that I work with some at Sirius XM being like this, this Oklahoma state thing might not be going in the right direction, but then you look at last year and it's like, well, he can adapt. We know he can right. change. And so that's why it's frustrating to see. I'm sure it's frustrating for you to see all these guys hit the portal. Like it looks like they're gonna have to do a bit more of overhauling. And I think with that too, Mike Gundy's going to have to do a little bit more of overhauling of how he thinks about things as well. Would you say it's a pretty fair assessment and that needs to be a, a applied to not just the schematics and, and kind of game planning? Well, I mean, for the Gundy part, absolutely. If if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And that's in anything. That's in any yes. job, in anywhere. And yeah. Gundy's biggest issue is his his stubbornness. Gundy gets in Gundy's own way because sometimes Gundy loves him some Gundy. Right. Right? If he can change that, which is, again, to me, his only Achilles heel, and just be more aggressive, right? I mean, you remember 2010, 2011 with Dana and Monken? Right, yeah. The best two offenses that have ever come through Stillwater, Oklahoma, and Gundy's tenure. Well, actually, ever, right? And what was the what was the common denominator is that Dana and Gundy hated each other because Dana would just take his headset off and stop listening to Gundy legitimately. <laughs> and he respected Todd Monken so much because Todd was on the staff when he was a player that he wouldn't override Monken. Ever since Todd Monken has left, our fourth quarters. And big games are very predictable, unless we're down by a ton. That's the only time you see our high-flying offense. And you're like, oh, there it is. Why don't we Why don't we just do this all game? But from the transfer portal, I'm, I'm actually very glad you had me on here. So at this point in time last year, we'd already lost like 12 O-linemen in the right. transfer portal. We've lost one. Yeah, By but how, how many players total are in there? What is it, eight or nine? We only have or, 10 in the portal right yeah, now. We're expecting right. another three to five. But, yeah, actually, you know, I was on a – some OU fans were coming after me yesterday talking about how Oklahoma State's in shambles and sucks to be you and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, bro, y'all lost like 20 transfers. What are we even talking about here? Right. right? The only two starters that, that are going to be a very noticeable loss are Mason Cobb and Spencer Sanders. And it, so isn't this, Trace, is Trace Ford in there? Yeah, but he didn't even start. He has so um, Trace Ford was an NFL caliber guy, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Three knee surgery placements, right? Massive knee surgeries. So you know he's probably going to transfer, but the the poor guy just can't can't get Stay on the field. And to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I'll be honest with you. What does transferring accomplish? Do you think going to a new school is going to magically heal your knees? Right. I don't get that one, but again, not a major. Yeah, maybe just change of scenery type deal. I, I do want to ask you about about the the comments that Gundy made after the game against West Virginia, where he, you know, th- like I get it, man. I understand that's that might be your position, but this is one of those things that we've talked about. While college football is changing, like you need to be more willing to extend the olive branch, like. The idea that you're just going to sit there and we'll wait to hear about, like, wait, hear, wait to right. hear back from these kids. You're like, what if Colin Oliver decided to leave, right? Well, you know, and, and thank God he's staying for Oklahoma right. State. But, like, what if a guy like that decided, you know, is better to go elsewhere? Don't you? I know it's re-recruiting. He's probably not interested in it. But, like, you need to do that. And you need to, and, and I think for a guy, especially their staff, and they keep their, you know, there's not always a ton of turnover on their staffs, no. right? No, no, no. And so if you're going to do that and, like, one of your strengths, if you have so much continuity, should be relationship building. It, I, I I believe that. And 
that is not a good message from the top in terms of relationship building. If you're like, we'll hear back from these kids when we hear back. Like, no, man. Like, I know it sucks. You don't want to deal with some kid's uncle or his high school coach. Like, that sounds horrible to me. But we pay you $8 million, whatever it is a year. That's your job. That's your job. And I thought those – and, like, once again, I think Mike Gundy is still the best coach in the Big 12. I maintain that. I believe that. I'm 100% – like, that. if you ask me Josh is best coach in the Big 12, I'll tell you Mike Gundy. I think his program that he's built in Stillwater is the standard. But where you start to make me concerned – is when you say stuff like that. When I see the sports going this way and you're saying, well, I refuse to do that. It's like, dude, you're still such a good coach. Like if you curtail this, like you said, just a little bit, like just don't even say that in public. Right. Then stuff like that, like we'll, we'll be in a fine spot. So I don't think it's as bad as things are being said publicly, but like that, those comments to me are an example, like you said, of Gundy getting his in his own way and does not send a good message to perspective and current players, in my opinion. Right. And it's, it's stubbornness. It's him. It's him showing his public display of get off my lawn. Right. I ain't going to change nothing. I don't need to change nothing. We've been good for 15, 16 years. Right. But okay. It's a new day and age from an NIL perspective, right? We have like five collectives now, so we're financially going to be fine. Are we going to compete with A&M and Bama? No, we're not. Right. But are we going to be very comparable to, to Texas tech? Absolutely. Easily. And because, you know, we're trying to figure out this NIL era and you're preaching cowboy culture, right? Which is a real thing. That's mm-hmm. why we got Justin Wright, the transfer from Tulsa the other day. It, he talked all about culture, right? That bring your pail, go to lunch, go to war mentality. But in my opinion, Gundy has lost a little bit of that. And I don't know why. I can't, you know what I mean? I can't really. Right. Can't we're not in the building. Up. We can't, yeah, we can't. You know, but exactly. when he says stuff like that, it is a little concerning because as a parent, you send your son to Oklahoma State University to not only play, right, to progress, but to be a, a functioning member of society, to be a good young man when you get out of there. But part of that is having faith in your coaches, right? If, if I, right. As I'm a parent, I'm going to send my kid where I know that things are going to go the right way and, and you're always going to have his back. So when Gundy says stuff like that, it does make it sound like, He's just like, oh, whatever it is, what it is. If they leave, they leave. Like, no, bro. Mm-hmm. If you take right. that mentality, then people are going to leave. But because we have not had a mass exodus, because we've had a lot of people, uh, I don't know if you, is there anybody, you see the players doing that heart thing all, all yeah. over. So, so all the players that are doing that, they, I don't know, it's the, the group that have come together and decided that there's, you know, we're the real ones and we're here to dominate 2023. So I think Gundy has a opportunity right now to capitalize off of this locker room coming together. They're tighter now than they were when Spencer Mason Cobb were there. That's a fact. It's a flat out fact. I've had a couple. You really think so? Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. And, and I would never, Spencer was not a problem, right? Spencer is a gamer. People. Yeah. I mean, I want to ask you about him. Like he's pretty well received. I mean, Yes. I think people like, yes. like he gave, he gave a, you know, I know it's COVID year and everything now is different, but like he gave the equivalent of a, of a full college career to Oklahoma state. Right. Yeah. I mean, he played there for four, for four yeah. years. And yeah. I, I thought, you know, there was never a moment where you're like, mm, Spencer's not giving us everything he's got. Now, was it infuriating sometimes everything he had, you know, turnovers? Yes. <laughs> but like that guy gave you, gave everybody a full career. I think, you know, I think Oklahoma state fans, there should be nothing bad said about him in terms of like, you know, no. play. He'll, be, sure, he'll be remembered right next to Brandon Whedon and Mason Rudolph and right. Zach Robinson all day. 
Right. Um, what, so what is next for them at, at that position? Do you think, do you think, because Rangel, like, I think it's one of those deals where I'm, I'm not sure it's gonna be ready next year. Right. I and mean, Will, Will Howard's a good example of this, right? Will Howard mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. bad, actually like legitimately bad for the first couple times, you know, we saw him for a while. Right. And it takes time with this kind of stuff. So what is the future of that position? Because as we know, that position is so vital for the Cowboys' success. And that's really not just about, right. you know, that, that's that's been the entire MO, I think, for this program. Quarterback yeah. play is really important for them. What happens next at that position, do you think? Do you think it's somebody in the portal? Do you guys, do you think it's another, maybe another go at Spencer Sanders? See, hey, if we can convince him to come back. Do you think it's maybe somebody in-house? Is it, you know, recruiting? Whatever. What is next for 2023 at the quarterback position for Oklahoma State? Well, I, I think the future is Garrett Rangel. I think the plan is to do with him precisely what Gundy, Gunner did last year, right? So Gundy made his own son come to Oklahoma State for a year and be a student. He couldn't participate with any football at all. He made him get bigger, stronger, faster. And then last year, you know, he kind of put that all together. He shaved, He went from a 4.8 something 40 to a, a 4.59, 4.60 right. now. Right. I think the plan and he put on like 18, 19 pounds. The plan is to do the same thing with Garrett Rangel, because if you look, the talent's there. Right. It's a talent screams. I got you. And our wide receiver core is insanely talented. And Ollie Gordon is a beast. Jaden Nixon, you know. I think it, it yeah, really, they got two good running backs. They they have two yeah. good running backs for sure. I I I think I think me and you could play quarterback next season if we can figure out our O line. That's it, right? Right. I don't really see the need in going and getting a transfer quarterback because who are you, who are you going to get that's just light years better than Garrett Rangel, especially when Gundy likes development, right? Yeah. To me, that's a scholarship spot that we could give to an alignment, whether he makes it or not. It's an extra scholarship spot that we can give to an alignment. Gunnar Gundy is a good game manager. If we have the talent around him, Gunnar Gundy could win us nine, 10 games, right? I firmly, mm-hmm. firmly believe that. And just watching film, the kid threw for almost 7,000 yards in high school and had a 30 and five record. It's it the biggest, biggest uh, echelon of, of sports in Oklahoma. And then you have Zane Flores coming in. That kid, he's already 6'3", 195, <laughs> right? So he's not going to have the, the year and a half, two years development that Rangel needs physically. Um, obviously, you know, he, he's going to be somebody that, that just pushes Garrett Rangel. But I think we're fine, to be honest with you. We have so much talent at wide receiver and so much talent in the backfield that if we can find a way, I don't care if it's duct tape, super glue, whatever, just find a way to build an O-line I think the quarterback position becomes somewhat of a moot point. I know that sounds slightly crazy, but it's you see it happen all over the place. And you see, he can make every throw, right? Every NFL-level throw you, you want, he can do it. And he's so skinny, he doesn't look like he should be able to. Right. So you give him, you, you put 12, 15 pounds on him, I, I, I think we're, we're, we're just beyond fine, to be honest with you. Like next, and next year, if we do not make it to Arlington, that is a epic failure of a season. Period. Hmm. Wow, hundred percent. Yeah, I would say this too. Like it's it's you know while while there is some reason to have some negativity about this season, the way things ended up, I, I will say like this does speak to how good the program is. That you know they have a chance to win an eighth game of the year. We'll see what happens. Obviously, Wisconsin's going through a lot of transition right. too. But I mean, seven and five is like a complete failure. 
they you know, hardcore. That is, that means, and, and that's at Oklahoma State. That, that means, and I know people say, oh, Les Miles did a good job for like whatever. Like Mike Gundy's built this. This is his. Yes. This is, yes. this is his program. And the fact that we're at a spot now, there is legitimate frustration at a seven and five season is because it followed a 12 and two, which followed an eight and three, which followed an eight right. and five, which, you know, seven and six, which Liberty Bowl down, whatever, but a 10 and three, a 10 and three, a 10 and three. Yep. Right. So that's, that's, that's where we're, that's where we're at with this. I, I will tell, I will tell you this is that I don't know. They have to get the offensive line fixed. Yeah. 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 They have to get that fixed. Uh, to me, that is, I think offensive line play is the most important thing in the entire, in all football, because it sets your defense. It's, uh, you know, it, it screws your offense, obviously, but it really oftentimes sets your defense back. Um, it puts your defense in a lot of bad spots. It keeps the defense on the field, right? Oh, yeah. You know, because the obviously because you can't maintain possession if you're not able to block it upfield. So that to me is issue number one, and I I think that's kind of where I want to wrap up with you. Would you agree? Issue number one thing to fix next year, offensive line. Oh, by a mile, brother. By and yeah. like I said, I don't know how we do it. Um, I don't care. Yeah, it's how hard. We do it. and, and, and getting the getting kids in the portal for offensive line that's not easy because everybody wants no. offensive line in the portal. Everybody, well, everybody. Never have enough guys like that. Yeah, last year we got a few, but when the season started, they were all gone. We only had one left, right? So even the guys we brought in from the transfer portal ended up transferring. Right. <laughs> right? So, yeah. yeah, we've got to do something about the O-line um, because <laughs> this is easily the most talented roster we've ever had. And you saw how many freshmen played this year. It looked It looked bad, right? But there was games, just like you said, if you can't get first downs, and your defense is on the field. We played 104 snaps against TCU. We played like 88 snaps against Texas Tech. Right. Our defense got destroyed, but they learned a lot. So yeah. this freshman you, class is going right. to be something special moving forward. But yeah, if we don't fix the O line, none of it matters. A lot of kids got some on the job training. Uh, yes. I, will, I will tell you that. A lot of kids got some on the job training. We'll see if that. We'll see if that uh, that works out. All right, Cody. Where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Um, obviously, you know, lo- locked on Oklahoma State uh, at All Day O State, and then on Facebook, it's O State All Day. Same thing, obviously in reverse. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. Oh, I have an Instagram too. I think it's o-, o State All Day or O State AD. That shows you how much I I, I mess with it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for the folks on the Oklahoma State side, if you guys want more Big 12 coverage, you guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show at LO Big 12. We are on YouTube, so look up just just look up Locked On Big 12. You guys can find us there, and also wherever you get your podcast. Cody, it was a pleasure, and I'm yes, sure I'll talk to you soon here, uh, sometime soon here in the off season as things once again crank up with signing day on the way. All right, brother man, I greatly greatly appreciate it. And yeah, for all O State fans out there, you better you need to you need to uh, follow Josh because. Josh is the reason uh, I got this job. Josh is the reason I pursued this job. So without Josh, there would be no Cody. I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I do appreciate the generous words. So Cody, we will talk to you soon though, because signing day is coming up and obviously that stuff's pretty big. So appreciate your time and talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you.